Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a brand new edition of Flyers Daily, a Monday edition, and rookie camp is underway. A couple of rookie games in the rear view, some news around the league, and a little preview of what does this begin this week, which is training camp 2023. If I was a player, I'd be dreading day one, I know that much, <laughs> and uh, getting on the ice with, without a puck in sight. But joining us on this episode, as he does every Monday, from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, it is Bill Meltzer. Bill, uh, it was great to see hockey this weekend. It was great to be back in the rink and experiencing high-level hockey, and it felt real good to be back home. It felt like it was back home, at least. It sure did. You know, actually, uh, you know, to, to deal with Flyers people from the building, you know, a uh, uh, sense of energy going in there. Um, you know, Jonesy was making the rounds. Um, uh, Danny Breer was around. You know, it's uh, sometimes sometimes you go to, to Allentown or other buildings, too, particularly to follow the farm team and it, you know it's before the season but you you don't really see you know the team brass around they, they're kind of huddled in, in the, uh, the team box so it was uh you know it, it was really a, a nice start to the season obviously um you know wins and losses don't really matter in the exhibition season especially in a rookies game uh would have liked to have seen uh you know different different outcomes but that didn't that didn't spoil what it you know, what a really nice weekend it was and just how nice it is to have hockey back. Can I just start here and just say, it, that was my first experience inside the PPL Center in Allentown, home of the Phantoms. And I was blown away by the building. Yeah. It is such a cool barn. And it was a great place to watch hockey. Not a bad seat in the house. I imagine it's a great place to see concerts as well because it looks like it's fitted for that. But that, that's got to be one of the nicer homes in the AHL, no? Oh, no question. No question. You know, it's... uh by, by American League standards, it's a state-of-the-art facility, um, you know, and, and uh, when they had the first event, um, now this is year 10, believe it or not, of the, of the PPL, oh, so hey. it, feels, it feels like it just opened, but it, it, it's year 10 of hockey there, and um, the first event there was a, was a scrimmage with the Flyers and the Phantoms, uh, the Battle in Hamilton, I think it was called, and um, before that, the Flyers had, had Played a few years in, in Glens Falls at um, you know the old Civic Center there, and um, I mean it was just obsolete. You know, it was an, an obsolete facility with, with a storied history, mind you, but but really not a viable American League facility. And they went from they went from there to virtually the virtually almost like a small NHL rink. Um, you know, little things like if if a player gets injured needs an MRI, they have the facility there. To do that um a really really nice locker room i mean it's a you know um pretty cool the it's a nice press box it's a nice building i mean it's uh you know it, it really is to me one of the one of the absolute nicest facilities in the, in the american league um and they've when you see sometimes when they go to some of the older buildings um like the bojangles coliseum um when they played you know when they, when they played charlotte um you know, and you see, you, you see the differences between an old building and, and one of the newer ones. So yeah, they, they did a great job with it. it. It, you know, again, it's year ten there, but it's uh, it, it's been a great relationship with uh, the Flyers and their farm team, and also being able to have players in pretty close proximity. Maybe not like it was a, when it was across the parking lot of the Spectrum, but still pre pretty close by. And the ECHL team is in Reading, 
So you have everybody in relatively close proximity. It's easier to move players up and down. We've got, got to appreciate that actually, uh, you know, it was all those years in Hershey, but then um, after the, the fans were in Philly, when it was in Glens Falls, it might, you know, if, they had, if they had a trip, you might not be able to get the player. Quickly. Yeah. We recall them. So it's uh, in in so many ways, it's worked out great, and and that's a nice place for the rookies game. Um, it, it feels it has a much more real feel to it. You know, like when when it's been at um, in Voorhees or uh, in Tarrytown in, in in New York. You know, it, um, it it's felt like a practice facility scrimmage, whereas you put in the big building, it has a real game feel to it. It really did. I, I was really impressed with the building. I got to send out my thanks uh, to Neil, the trainer for the Phantoms as well, who had uh, spent some time with me after the game to take a look at my foot. <laughs> I came down with an injury in the second period. We gutted it out, though. We made it through. We skated our next shift, and uh, we made it through. That'll be a story for another day. But anyway, um, let's get to the actual games and what we saw on the ice. And uh, we saw two games, Friday night at 7.05, and Saturday night at 5.05, both games were streamed or telecast. Brian Smith and I did the game on Friday on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. Game Saturday was uh, streamed as well on NBC Sports+. Plus. You know, what are your big takeaways from the games? We didn't see all players play both games. Um, you know, but let's kind of start at the top with what you saw out of Tyson Forster. I saw a player that, you know, he looked like he wanted to assert himself physically with that newfound strength that he has his upper body strength but he also looked like a player to me that was going okay i'm not going to go out and put my body in any bad situations here to start the real training camp behind the eight ball for sure you know tyson has been in in several of the rookies games um last year he had a dominant one in the first game uh, against the rangers and actually went on to score the overtime winner in the first game um you know and and uh I think it was the year before that uh, Flyers played the Islanders and he had a really good first game. Second game, I, I, I remember distinctly, he had a, a chance to tie the game uh, on a buzzer beater at a one-timer um, in for the final five seconds of the game. And and he, he was robbed. It was just a great stop. But uh, you know, he, he asserted himself in those games. Sometimes when you have that last one, you're expected to dominate. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, you know, if you go to Friday's game, um, I thought he—I thought it was particularly in the first and second periods, he looked heavy on pucks. You know, it was uh, he wasn't turning pucks over, um, but he had—he had the Flyers' first scoring chance uh, of the game on, on Friday. It was a one-timer from the uh, around the dot. Yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, and give Garon some credit—he made—he made the stop on that one. Um, I think he had another another one-timer attempt. Um, a little higher in the zone, probably a little bit more of a routine save. Um, and then I, I thought he went quiet. You know, I thought, uh, particularly on Saturday, I, I don't, I don't think he was as noticeable as he would have liked to have seen him uh, in that game. Um, for him to make the Flyers' opening night roster, you know, there was no point against him for the rookie games. Let's be honest. Uh, really, nothing, nothing even happens on, on the ice at rookie camp, other than you don't want him to start the main training camp off on the wrong foot. Um, I, you know, he, there is a job for him to, to win out of camp. Um, if he doesn't elevate his game from what he's shown in the real early going and rookie camp so far, he probably wouldn't start the season with the Flyers, but, but it's still there and it's, uh, you know, uh, can change in a hurry. But, uh, you know, as, as far as a final rookie game goes, 
you would have liked to have seen the big statement game, like when Oscar Lindblom had a hat trick. Um, you could go back a number of years. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk had a four-goal game. You know, hey, you know, you would have liked to have seen him close that out with, with, a, with a big statement game. It didn't happen, so now you turn the page. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. Um, will we have liked it? Of course. But it does. is it a harbinger of things to come? Not necessarily. So we'll see where it goes from there when it comes to uh, Tyson Forster. Uh, Elliot Tenoya was a guy, um, you know, centering Tyson Forster. They kind of moved that line around a little bit. They moved Brown up there because he thought he had a lot of jump in Friday's game, especially, and, uh, you know, made some juggling of the lines to try and generate a little more offense. And what was a pretty low-scoring affair, 2-2 going into the third, um, and kind of a, a weird first goal for the Rangers, uh, de- double deflection off two phantom sticks, lollipopped in. Um, but let's talk about Denoye because he's another guy that, you know, Ian LaPerriere talked about after the game and a guy that, you know, we're really putting in the crosshairs of evaluation and we're going to do that early in camp as well. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Denoye is kind of a process guy. He, he, he did lead the Phantoms in goals last year, actually a Phantoms rookie goal record. Twenty-three. most, most likely when Elliot comes up and sticks in the NHL, it's probably going to be either as a bottom six forward or as that Swiss Army knife type. You can move up and down the lineup. Um, so, you know, he's going to kill some penalties. He has pretty good speed. You know, chip in some offense, too. I, I thought that actually in seg- segments of Friday's game, he did some pretty good stuff. Um, and he had a keep high in the offensive zone. It was pretty good. Um, just his anticipation was, was decent. He wasn't making a lot happen offensively. But I, I, I just thought, it, you know, the – Process-wise, he was pretty close to there, just some timing stuff. And, and he, too, on Saturday was probably a little quieter than you would have liked to have seen as a guy who's a kind of, kind of become a young team leader on the Phantoms and has at least an outside shot, the NHL squad. So, you know, it, it was the three guys. You know, you, you went in uh, Forrester, NYA, and, and you're hoping also that the Brink steps up. And... Really, it, it didn't really happen for happen for Brink either either this week, and he did have a he did have a nice assist uh, on the power play goal in uh, in Friday's game. Um, you know, there weren't there were a lot of goals to go around this weekend, so you kind of remember which ones actually ended up in the net. I, I would have liked to have seen create a little bit more five on five, mm-hmm. but um, you know, especially this this is a big year coming off of the hip surgery. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen because because he's coming off of an a, an injury season, you know, he's a guy I would have liked to have seen kind of grab the bull by the horns right away. Um, again, it's early. It can happen. But I, I really thought that on the whole, it, it was uh, younger guys, a couple guys in their first camp. Um, you know, those are the guys who kind of, who kind of stood out a, a little bit more this weekend, I thought. Yeah. And Brown was one of those guys, you know, he was all over the play and, and, I swear they tried to confuse us because they gave him Patrick Brown's number 38. (laughs) I don't know if this is just repurposing gear or what, but it was not Patrick Brown. He is now what with Boston, I believe so. Um, But you look at the situation, he he was a guy just skating, using his legs. I thought that he kind of popped out and flashed a little bit in the game, Bill. And, you know, a couple other guys, you know, I thought that the pairing of uh, getting and and bunk um, was really an interesting one because Ginning's going to be that guy who's going to really stay home. But I, I thought Bonk never looked out of place with him at all. It just looked very predictable. And just looking at the two bodies side by side, Bonk's got some weight to put on and some muscle to put on, but it's not a whole heck of a lot. He's a pretty big kid already. 
And he's kind no, of, he's still a number of years away. No, for sure. And they also had him on the power play too. Um, yeah, he was the only pl- uh, player on the power play. Yeah, D- so, D-man. Yeah. So you, I mean, that that said a lot as to how they'd like to see him develop. You know, uh, Oliver last season he did a lot of really good things with London. He really came along as the season went along. The only, uh, I guess, the only negative was that he had ten goals last year, but including playoffs, he went to final forty-two without any. So, you know, and I don't, he's not going to be a big scorer in the NHL, but he's, he's capable of putting the puck in the net. And, and 10 was a good total for a season. You would just would have liked to see maybe a couple of the playoffs or something. But, you know, but in terms of him moving the puck, defending, um, uh, just, just his overall poise under pressure, it was good. And, and they had, they had one hiccup. Um, they were, they were on the ice for a goal against after, uh, on a failed clear. Um, that was, that was in the first game. Um, but they bounce right back, and that, that that's just you learn just as much from that as, as you know make, making a good play on either side of the puck. When when a young when a young defenseman does make a mistake or or is on the ice, um, when a mistake gets made by by the five man unit on the ice, how does he respond? And he responded really well. So that's uh, that that was an encouraging sign. And I'll also add that on Saturday's game, since uh, since Yinning and, and Bonked in play in the second game. Uh, Andre and, and Grants were pretty good in Saturday's game. I thought particularly Grants. I thought Grants was. Yeah. I was really happy with what I saw from Grants in, in the uh, second game. Yeah, we kind of look at him as this, just you know, cherry on top, some bonus added to that deal. Uh, but he is a second round pick. He is a big body defenseman, and sometimes those guys take a little bit longer to develop uh, into NHL players and. We'll see how his camp goes. Let's talk about Andre, though, because Bill, I've deemed him one of the most interesting players of the training camp for so many reasons. And part of it, which we talked about last week, was the Cam York factor and getting the players to be what they are uh, in training camp and not be afraid of the mistake. It's such an easier said than done scenario when you're trying to impress, you know, the eyes that are looking down upon you and you're playing for now your your job. it's easier said than done to to try and put the mistakes away and go, okay, I, I got to push the pace if that's my game. Uh, but Emil Andre, the way he sees the ice, you know, that heads up all the time. He is in constant surveying mode. He's that guy on the side of the highway with the surveying equipment, always looking at what's going on. And the other thing I noticed about him is looking at him on the bench. There's constant engagement in the game. I think he's going to be a player that thinks the game really well. Yeah, you, you could see why he was the captain of the yep. uh, Swedish World Junior Championship team Be- because he has the, that element to him. Um, very engaged, very communicative, um, very competitive. Um, Look, even and, if it's not his shift, guys come yeah. off, he can tell them what he saw. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, he, he's, he's uh, a student in the game, and that's uh, that's one of the one of the most encouraging things about Emil. And the other part, too, is he's fearless. They kept running him on yep. – Saturday, how's he going to handle if he gets hit? How's he going to handle being under pressure? And he handled it fine. And and a couple times he gave it back a little bit, too. That's uh, honestly, you know, and it wasn't even, I don't even think it was his A game because one thing Andre typically does pretty well, he usually puts shots on on net and he was having trouble actually putting pucks on net. He was missing the net a lot. He's actually usually, he's usually, that's one of his strengths. 
But you look you look at his the way he defended, the way he moved the puck out of trouble, and, and just just his overall poise and presence. You know there there was a there was a hierarchy to the defenseman you saw the week this weekend. In, in each game, you had one pairing that, that looked like they looked like pros, right? And the, the other guys, okay, you, you can see there's some promise there, but there there's, there's work to be done. And, and even you know with the young guys, there's always work to be done. But just just I mean to look like professional you know players and that's uh so so that you know that, that was another positive thing this weekend um and and the other thing i'd like to touch on real quick is that uh you know some some young players are pretty darn good speed good wheels mm-hmm. you know, one thing the players that wanted to inject in the system is a little bit more speed and and you look at uh, alex chernick you look at uh alexi gendron and and you look at denver barkey and those those are three players they've had this season. All of them have speed to burn, and and uh, Tumala can skate too. Yeah, th- Tumala just watching him skate so upright, and again the head is up and just surveying the ice. Uh, I was impressed with him coming down that right side on a couple of occasions, getting good scoring opportunities. Look, the lack of finish was there. The, their games aren't completely polished right now. I think we saw that as well. But um, you know, one of the things you know, you look at a guy like Gendron. And the year he had last year over two different teams in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And he put up huge numbers last year. I don't know what he's going to be at the NHL level, but, you know, what he did last year, I think, peeled a lot of kind of a lot of people to kind of pay attention to what he's going to be able to do this year. And I think he's a really interesting player. Um, but but you look at the situation, you know, throughout this camp and and with the rookies that are in there. You know, one of the things that we got to see this weekend was two of the goaltenders, Noel Meyer and Carson Bjarnason, of course, the second round pick. Um, And Bjarnason getting his first really pro look um, on Saturday night. But let's go to Friday night. Noel Meyer, I thought he looked really good, Bill, really poised in that situation. You know, he gives up that weird goal by there's nothing you can do about that. I thought he settled in after that. I thought he made some real good lateral plays and moves. And I thought he attacked screens really well, got really on the player that was screening him to kind of prevent things from going sideways on a deflected puck off a shin pad or a tip off a screen. I thought he looked pretty like he, I thought he challenged at the right times, took the ice when he could, so, you know, kept his depth under control when he didn't have to. But I thought he read plays really well. And I think we saw a guy, you know, that had a little bit of success last year in the AHL be able to take what he learned last year and bring it into his offseason. Yeah, he's still a young goalie. Um, yeah. he, he's not he's not under NHL contract. Uh, I think at some point he may be, whether in the Flyers organization or somewhere else, I guess remains to be seen. But but there's promise there. Uh, he, he played well for Reading in, in the ECHL, and he gained some experience in the American League too. Um, last year he had a last year he was impressive in, in the rookie games. Um, you know, Urson Urson was the really the, the big standout of the second game, flirting with a shutout. But I thought that he, I thought in you know I thought in his appearance last year Meyer looked good and he looked good he looked good in Flyers rookie camp I mean he, he deserved that that shot in the American League and goalies take a little longer to develop anyway as you know so that's a that's a name to file away that, that a guy I think is gonna actually have a pretty decent pro career um, and I think at some point he might be under contract for someone but um, yeah but he took a, a good first up and, and you could you could see why he definitely. Yeah. He definitely was pretty, you know, even though he was making lucky scrambling kind of saves, right? He looked, he looked pretty, pretty under control for, for uh, most of the game. And as you said, they were kind of, kind of fluky goals. Um, you know, whereas on, on Saturday, 
Carson Bjarnason. Um, he settled in as they went along. I, I thought over the final 40 minutes, particularly the final 30 minutes, he was solid. But the first period, he was kind of all over the place. And the uh, yeah, the wraparound was not a very good goal. Kind of put in, put the puck in himself, actually. It went off of him. Um, but it, but you expect that from an 18-year-old. And, you know, an 18-year-old second-round pick, a lot of pressure on him to to stand out and excel. And, and I thought that you know, all things considered, he settled in nicely. Um, sometimes, sometimes you have a rookie camp and you have four goalies there. This year, you've been able to pay attention to just two guys, and yeah. um, unless there's an injury, I actually I kind of like that arrangement. I do too. It, it allows you them to get into a rhythm and workload too. You you don't want guys standing around. You just don't. It's it's tough. That's why you don't carry three goalies in the NHL because one's always standing around, and it's not efficient. Um, Bill, one of the guys that wasn't at camp was Matt Vaymichkov. We know the reason why he's got under contract in the Continental Hockey League, but he was loaned to Sochi. I know the other night I saw online that uh, he had seven shots in his first 11 shifts of the game. He's not shy about shooting the pill. Um, what have you seen out of Michkov uh, since the transfer to Sochi? Well, he, uh, I saw his first game. Um, played about 18 minutes. Um, had to shake a little rust off, I think, in, in the first half of the game. In the third period, he took over the game. Uh, he had two assists in the third period. Um, and... Uh, Though he, but he also had several scoring chances. He had the game on his stick, a partial breakaway in overtime. He was he was the best player with the game on the line as an 18 year old in in uh, that first game. And then uh, I did not see the second one, but but you're correct. He he had 10 shots on goal in that game, and, and uh, we're just knocking on the door all game long, apparently. And I'm um, just one of those one of those nights where, where nothing went in. But uh, you know, there, there's no question that that already at 18 years old, he's an impact player. Honestly, the, what, why it bothered me that he wasn't playing in, in Ska was that he clearly is ready for the KHL, and he's clearly ready to, to play some real minutes. So he's in a situation now where he's going to get the minutes. Um, he'll, he'll have opportunities on the power play. He'll, he'll play one-goal games and, and tie games. You know, Situational late. hockey. So, yeah, so the, these are the situations you want to see him in. And, you know, now I think he's in a in – a, positive at least hockey wise situation for him i'm sure the organization and the brass are thrilled that he's in this situation and not that 13th forward and being scratched like he was oh yeah i mean it, it, it's a positive I, i'd like personally at some point uh to see him try it out at center again yeah i think the preseason he was playing center and he didn't look out of position there and if he can play center too we we know he can play right wing if he can also play center, that opens all kinds of possibilities. It opens a lot of doors yeah. uh, of ways you, you could take it as he continues to develop. Um, you know, if or when that experiment will, will renew in, in Sochi, uh, as it started out in St. Petersburg in the preseason, I don't know. But that you know, I, I, I really I was surprised at actually how far he'd come in certain areas of his game because. You know, I, I didn't really get to look at him very much last season. You, you, see, you see the highlight reels, and those are highlight reels, though. Those are, those are the best plays. Um, yeah, they don't put the uh, wart reels out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, to get a better picture of a player, though, you need to watch the shift in and shift out, the game in and game out. And, um, I, you know, they uh, – I think he's on a great track so far. Um, we'll see early this coming week. How's the next game go? 
defense, but it's uh, you know he's he's a player who's fun to watch too. You know the um, so now now that he's figures to get a lot of ice time and whatnot, you don't have to worry so much about if he has a bad shift. Is he is he going to sit the rest of the game on the bench? You know yeah. he'll, he'll be right back. He'll be right back out there again. So um, you know you don't really worry if he didn't have his best game on a particular day. You can't really get too caught up in, in the day-to-day, game-to-game, shift-to-shift. Just too long of a season, and development yeah. is not is not linear anyway. So, you know, so you, you you could drive yourself nuts trying trying to nitpick every every game, every shift. But you know, but I I, th- I think he's on a great I think he's on a great path, and I, I think he's going to have a really strong season. Yeah, he's high event hockey. You know, he's a guy that will lift your butt out of the seat. He's a price of admission player um, because of the spectacular skill set. Bill, training camp will get underway this week. Let me ask you about the importance, Bill. You've been covering this game a long time, as I have. and But the importance of going into camp with all things settled. It's like in The Godfather. We're going to settle all family business on the day of the christening, right? And and you want all the business elements off – off the ice contracts, all of that stuff to be settled. No hanging, you know, guys contracts. And yeah, there's guys that you could sign now that are going to expire at the end of this year, but you wait on them. Um, but you don't have anybody that's not under contract. I, I think that everybody's kind of coming into this camp, knowing what they need to do, what the expectation is per player on and off the ice um, per line, per pairing, and also, you know, per team, I, I think the expectation is really clear of the path here to all these players and coaches and everybody in the organization. I think that's a really important element when you're in the situation that the Flyers are, is that everybody knows what the plan is, where they fit into it, and how they can control it and speed it up or slow it down or whatever by how they perform and how they do their job as pros. Oh, absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. You know, when the expectations are clear cut and the opportunities are there, then it's on the players. Then it's up to the players to perform. Um, Those opportunities are there. Hopefully, hopefully it's a relatively injury free camp. That's something you you cannot control going in and, and uh, you know, the, the plans can suddenly change in a hurry, but, um, but it looks like Teddy going in right now, they, it looks to be a pretty good situation. No one's coming off of, uh, you know, well, well, no one's coming off of any at least pre-camp injuries so far. Knock on wood this week, you know. Um, but uh, that's you know really kind of what you want to see. Um, players know what to expect just 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 from day one in terms of the uh, the skating tests that they're facing this week. Um, you know, last year they did so much skating. The first week or so in camp, then you had a, a little bit of the the dead legs, and you know what you what you expected. And I I don't think Torts minds that a bit. I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna have some games where you might have a little bit less energy than some other teams, but that pays off down the line. And, and one thing with the Flyers last year was that I thought that they did a pretty good job over the course of the season generally. There were exceptions, but of managing their energy, of staying competitive in games. Yeah. So they weren't they weren't and still are not the most talented teams or the elite talent at the top of the lineup, but but they fought and they competed in games and they were they were a pretty well conditioned team. And that that's something else too that 
you, you can hear all about the skating test, my reputation and whatnot. It's different when you've done it. These guys have a year under their belt with, with John Tortorella, not, not too many new faces, a few. Um, and so this year, I think they're, they're equipped to kind of hit the ground running when camp starts. And um, the other thing too, is that the systems are established. So, you know, there's refreshers, uh, video sessions and, and whatnot, but uh, you have the, you have the same coaching staff. You have mostly, mostly the, the, the same key players coming back or guys who guys like uh, Atkinson who, who played with torts before, so he could get reacclimated as they yeah. roll along. So, so, so the table, the table is set there, um, you know, and then, then again, then after that, it's all up to the players. Watching the the them skate before Flyers rookie camp on Friday, first of all, I walked into the rink, and there is two absolutely stacked benches. I mean, it looked like an NHL game. I mean, you're looking at twelve forwards, six D. Uh, they were rotating three goalies for the practice, but I mean, it was stacked. And Sean Couturier, I thought, moved very well. Cam Atkinson moved very well. Now they're not plowing each other. They're not hitting and the whole thing, and it's. It is just captain skates and scrimmages, but um, you know, their full participation. It was it was great to see, and I think that that's an important element. And you know, one of the things that that Torts did to manage that energy, in particular in the second half, but when they had a lot of back to backs last year, and some you know four and six and five and seven or eight and those kind of situations, Torts really leaned off the practices with them, and that's what I want to talk about next because. You know, we, we all know of the situation that just took place in Columbus with Mike Babcock. We know of his history in the NHL. Now, there's a lot of good there, a lot of winning. Um, he's a Stanley Cup winning coach. And, uh, you know, one coaching Team Canada, one gold. And there's a high pedigree of, obviously, you know, talent and coaching. Uh, but there's a lack of evolution of, you know, of the position of being a coach and you know, the way you handle players and the way you handle today's players. And and Torts was always a guy that kind of got lumped into that old school mentality. But I think seeing it up close and personal last year where hey, you can be a coach that's demanding, demands accountability, demands your players do the right things, but also add the human element to it. And one of the things that when I talked to a lot of guys that played for Torts, whether that was Cam Mackinson or Jody Shelley and many others, is they, you know, they said that, he cares about you as you, as a person. And maybe that's what Mike Babcock was trying to get across with what happened. It didn't work. He's had to resign in Columbus, and that puts them big time behind the eight ball. But I think we saw that evolution, uh, you know, a, a coach evolving um, like Torts last year because, you know, those elements of practice and just probably the way he handles players day to day has changed over the years in the 20-plus years he's been on a bench. It is. I, I think there's still – you know, uh, quite a bit of old school in torts, but it's, you know, it, it, it's not the, it's not the Keenan kind of old school though anymore. I, I, th- I think towards at one point, you know, um, I, I, something that he, I think he's, he's learned from over the years. He doesn't coach the Flyers the same way that, that uh, he coached Tampa Bay. He doesn't coach the Flyers even the same way he coached the Rangers. Yeah. I, I think he recognizes what situation they're in, where they want to get to, um, he's still demanding, um, you know, uh, again, I, I think there's still a bit of old school in torts, but, but not, not to a level where players, players generally feel like that 
a line's been crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, I mean, they're 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 not gonna, you know, they're, they're not gonna, they're gonna have a Christmas Eve bag skate like like Keenan laid on them one year, right? Yeah. Uh, the the Herb Brooks kind of method. You're they you just, that just doesn't work anymore. And um, you know, and and coaches picking a picking on a player and just you know for, for you know just as an example uh, of old school coaching that wouldn't work anymore um when when Mike Keenan was was first a Flyers coach and mind you again different era different times and and uh you know Mike had a ton of success but you, there were there are ways that Keenan treated players you just can't do anymore um so when Keenan was was Flyers head coach um one of his projects was making a player, you know, toughening Scott Mellonby up. Not, not as a guy who could throw fists or whatever, but just he felt that, you know, Scotty's dad was the producer of Hockey Night Canada, Ralph Mellonby, and he came from, you know, a, a relatively comfortable background. And so Keenan gave him hell on a daily basis for being, well, he said, a spoiled rich kid who was soft, and he humiliated him in front of everybody in the locker room on an almost daily basis to test them out and toughen them up. That wouldn't work anymore. No. You, you, you cannot you cannot do that with players anymore. You, you can't pick your designated whipping boys, you know, and, and just uh, beat on them every, every single day. Um, and, uh, you know, Keenan also, uh, Keenan would also uh, just randomly go after stars on the team, just even, even if it wasn't justified, he knew it wasn't justified. Like Mark Howe. Well, well who the hell rips Mark Howe? Well, it, it wasn't done really for Howie. It was done because if, if he's going to rip Mark Howe, he's going to rip anyone on in that room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of mind games involved. And that, that, that's a little old school. And the other thing, too, that players have changed the way they were years ago, um, you know, <laughs> they don't really have to listen to the coach as yeah. much anymore. And they're, they're not afraid to ask when they're told to do something, well, why do you want me to do that? Yeah. And that – you know, an old school coach would would just not be able to handle that. You know, the, like you you do it because I say to do it. Yeah, and, uh, and you don't question. Players, it. Have, players have more questions now, and and that's 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 part of it. Uh, they watch a ton more video on their own. Um, sometimes they'll, sometimes they'll ask for. Remember, remember last year, towards getting rid of the iPads on the bench, those players would go back and they they'd watch their sh- shift, and they felt he felt they were a little too into watching the iPad and not enough to watching the game on the iPad. They were losing feel of the game from watching right. the iPad. Right. And, and, and that's a, that's a, you know, so that, that's some of the old school that's still in torts, but you know, but by the same token, the next day, the next day at practice or whatever, you go over any video you wanted to. They, they, the coaching staff yep. does a, a whole lot of video work and, and torts is very big on that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, so in a lot of ways, that's, that's how, you evolve as a coach and how you stay in the game. Yeah. He said, he said that he showed more video last year. This was probably midway through the season that he had ever shown in his career combined and that he enjoyed the element of teaching um, and teaching the game, you know, playing the right way away from the puck and doing the right things in your D zone and where you, what, what part of the ice you curl to without the puck and all of those things. And how you can make yourself a player to be accounted for, whether you got the biscuit or you don't. And, um, you know, that evolution. We'll see what happens in Columbus right now. I mean, that puts them, in, I think, in a horrible position um, heading into this season for a team that, 
you know, made some pretty significant moves this offseason and the year prior, obviously, the addition of Gaudreau and had some horrible injuries last year. We'll see where it goes for Columbus and, and how that pays off for them. Uh, all right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll be back Wednesday. We'll uh, open training camp on Wednesday. We'll get you excited for it and much more to come on Wednesday's edition of Flyers Daily. Someone learn, many do, cover up